0: Hello, my name is Richard Fern of the University of Work Communications Department. I am here today with Maureen Freely of the English and Comparative Literature Studies Department. Maureen is the translator for the Turkish author Orhan Pamuk, who last week won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Maureen, congratulations. A, a Nobel Prize by proxy?
1: Yes, yes. Piggyback yeah. to Starcom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you must have had a pretty few days, but you've been working with, uh, with, with Orhan for some time now.
1: Well, oh, yes. We um, uh, grew up in the same place. I knew his uh, brother very well when we were teenagers. Um, Orhan and I were in the same year at brother and sister schools, and um, so we have an awful lot in common. Uh, I lost contact with um, him, his brother, and exactly the city uh, during the difficult uh, political years of the, um, of the 80s. But in 1990, I was wandering around the book room at the Independent on Sunday, where I was a reviewer, uh, being told to see if I could find anything interesting. And um, I came across a book with Orhan's name on it, and, and I thought, what is Get's brother doing writing a book? And I just took it home out of curiosity and uh, read it and was absolutely flunked. Lord, uh, absolutely amazed by this wonderful novel, which, um, uh, in a way that no other novel I could think of, actually spoke uh, um, to me and um, the central contradictions of my uh, upbringing. Uh, It was a historical novel called The White Castle, and it it features uh, an Ottoman astrologer who becomes aware that the Renaissance is happening and he's somehow losing out and he wants to know what the science is all about. And so uh, he buys um, a Venetian astronomer who's um, been captured by pirates and he makes him a slave and tries to plunder his brain. And uh, it's a wonderful metaphorical look at the problems of uh, trying to combine different approaches to learning. Very, very funny, rather scary. They end up making an infernal machine, war machine together, that does very battle, very, very badly outside the walls of Vienna.
0: So at what point did you start translating for Warham?
1: I was certainly one of the most enthusiastic uh, literary critics in this country and the U.S. for um, about 10 years, and followed his career very closely, and often... Uh, wrote about his books, or interviewed him, a- aiming to put his contribution in context. And uh, so we pe- we became good friends during this process because I, my family still lives in Turkey, and I'd go back there. And uh, so we just had picked up where we left off. Then, in uh, it must have been about four or five years ago, Orhan uh, was having uh, trouble with his translators, um, in that his. Um, the translator of his then most recent book, My Name is Fred, wasn't available to do another book for another year or two. And uh, he said, well, why don't you try it? He wasn't very well, you know, he was very well loved by a sort of small select group of, um, of uh, readers, but he wasn't very, very well-known in, well in the anglophone world then. Um, if he were as well-known as he is today, I don't know, I, th- I think I might have felt a little bit daunted. Um with some trepidation, uh, because I never studied Turkish formally, I decided to, to try it out. And I think what uh, swayed me is I thought that uh, I had something I knew I wanted to do uh, with an English translation. There was something I thought I could give that um, other, uh, many other people might not be able to give. And uh, among other things, uh, I, I had a very, very strong emotional attachment to the to Turkish from uh... from childhood and uh... uh... Lo- you know loved the music of it and had always longed to find a way to bring that music into english and uh... i, I felt that there, there were serious problems about translating prose into english from turkish because the languages are so far apart from each other and so you have to make choices that generally only poets have to make and poets do make in, in, in very innovative ways so I thought, well, why don't I see how it goes? And uh, it uh, went much, much better than either of us expected. And I think the, the part of the process that uh, he and I both enjoyed most, although it was very, very arduous, was g- getting together after I'd finished a full draft, uh, usually on the, the rather hot island where he spends the summers, and going through the translation uh, sentence by sentence, deciding where I had done things right and where I might have gone too far and discussing what to, um, you know, how to solve those problems and having quite a few arguments, but more or laughs.
0: Orham, of course, is a, is a controversial figure. How have you and he handled the, uh, the controversies of, of writing about a, a modern or, or contemporary Turkey?
1: Well, I think that uh, I, I should begin by saying uh, that we belong to the same Uh, generation in Istanbul, and I'm talking about um, uh, fairly privileged, um, very well-educated, westernized Turks, uh, most of whom were uh, educated at foreign lycées, and of course the ones I know best were the ones who were educated at my American-owned lycée, many of whom went on to uh, to study at the American University, now nationalized, where my father taught and still teaches. And um, we had a taste of what um, freedom of expression was all about and what happened uh, when you didn't have it in 1971, when uh, there was a military coup that uh, resulted in quite a few of my classmates ending up behind bars, and uh, quite a few of them uh, facing torture. Uh, These students uh, did uh, come out of prison after a few years. Uh, they very uh, stoically, courageously resumed their educations. They, um, many of them, went into prison again in 1980 for for quote-unquote crimes um, that 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 you and I would not imagine could be crimes anywhere, just for stating their opinions or for challenging. Uh, state uh, I- ideology in rather mild ways, or belonging to a group that would have been legal here, a political group that would have been legal here. So this generation has been um, ha- has has been through hell twice, and has uh, for the most part survived twice. And there's it's, it's our interest in freedom of expre- expression is not theoretical. So this is something that Orhan and I have our separate positions on and have both thought about very deeply, but we both come out of the, um, you know, the the same cauldron, if you like. Uh, One of the reasons I admire his novels so much, in particular the Black Book, which takes place in the year running up to that second coup I mentioned in 1980, is that he not only thinks about the issues raised by this uh, very, very deeply, but his approaches to it are oblique and highly imaginative and allow readers like me who know the, uh, you know, who know the context uh, to re-examine our own past in a new way, in a more enlightened way, and who also bring uh, foreign readers uh, into, in, into the same world to um, show them that these things are not a uh and that they concern us all.
0: So what's, uh, obviously you've spoken to Orham since he's received his, uh, his, his, his Nobel Prize. What's, he, what's been his reaction?
1: He's absolutely overjoyed, which I am too. I'm just, um, I think I finally got a good night's sleep. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't sleep for several days. I, um, I know that he's been in the running for the Nobel Prize for quite a few years now, but um, no one in Turkey has ever won a Nobel Prize. It has had. Other great writers who've been passed over, um, the the political controversy in which uh, Orhan was um, involved over the past two years, following the comments he made about the killing of, um- of, Ar- of Ar- a million Armenians during the years of the you know the last years of the Ottoman Empire, have made him such a controversial figure in his own country and in Europe in different ways that um, I was sure and Orhan was sure that uh, it was just too hot to for the the this, this Swedish Academy to touch um, very very glad that um, they decided that the the, um, the great fiction that he's produced was so great that they could o- overlook those um, the, those factors um, he uh, Orhan is in um, New York at the moment where he's a visiting scholar at uh, at Columbia University, and um, he, last time I spoke to him, he said he had 600 emails in his inbox, and that's supposed to be the email that nobody knows about. Um, he, uh, he, he cannot believe how, you know, I, he cannot believe that it's happened. He's that kind of happy. So, honoured, really.
0: Of course, the Turkish authorities tried to prosecute Orham.
1: Uh, yes, this is a, quite a long and complicated story and I'll try to make it as simple as I can. Uh, almost two years ago, um, the EU, after delaying for several decades, finally set a date for accession talks with Turkey. At the time that this happened, uh, uh, Turkey was going through um, very, very um, you know, rapid economic development. Uh, it had once again become the center of its world. Um, now that there was no longer an iron curtain, it was uh, engaging with it, with its neighbors um, north, um, west, south, and east. Uh, there was an air of optimism, uh, a sense uh, that, that that Turkey was a place that could be eastern and western at the same time. It could be um, a beacon um, as, as other countries looked as to how to modernize without losing their roots. So it was it was a very optimistic moment. And um, one of the things that um, I was looking forward to most was uh, a peaceful trans, um, a a peaceful move to a social democracy, a peaceful move away from the old authoritarian state that um, that imposed a single history, uh, a single uh, type of nationality on all of its citizens, and becoming closer to European norms so that uh, uh, a strong nation could hold people who had other identities as well. And uh, we also looked forward to saying goodbye to Turkey's um, hard, hard human rights record and, um, and moving on to, um, to, to, to something uh, more along the lines that we have here. And it did look possible. And one of the reasons it looked possible was that uh, Turkey had agreed to draw up a new penal code, and the promise was that the old laws uh, derived from Mussolini's Italy, which made thought a crime, would be um, taken out. Well, when the uh, penal code um, came into being in uh, June of 2005, it it emerged that um, there were up to 20 laws um, that curbed uh, free expression, and, and some forms of, uh, some of the curbs were actually new. So, in fact, the new penal code was worse than, than, the, the, than the one that had, it had replaced. At the time that the penal code came in, uh, Orhan was already controversial because he had um, said in a European a newspaper that a million Armenians had been uh, killed in the late Ottoman Empire. Uh, this had caused a firestorm in the right-wing press, but uh, it, it was a, we thought a process, a part of the process of uh, the opening of Turkey. Of course, the first time people say these things, there is a Ferrari, but, but then uh, people get used to these things. And after all, there was um, there was a group of Turkish uh, scholars and writers who were organizing a conference. Uh, aiming to open up the subject in a, in, a, in a rigorous way and engage with the Turkish public who'd been taught in their official history books that um, that the genocide was a lie invented by the Armenian diaspora. So things were happening. We expected it to be a bit rocky. Um, the the news that, that Orhan was to be prosecuted was a shock. Um, he was prosecuted under Article 301, which has since become infamous, but none of us had heard of that. Uh, by the time uh, he went on trial in December of 2005, uh, there were up to 60 other writers, academics, cartoonists, uh, artists, activists, who were being uh, prosecuted under 301 or, or, or similar, uh, similar articles. And it had al- also emerged that many of the high-profile cases were being brought by a, gr- a, a previously unknown group of ultra-nationalist lawyers who Uh, for the first time in Orhan's trial, showed their muscle. What they showed us was um, that lawyers, uh, ultra-national lawyers in courtrooms uh, could assault foreign and Turkish observers, many of them eminent, many of them members of the European Parliament, uh, one member of our own parliament, that they could assault these people in full view of the judge with impunity. We saw that uh, the uh, riot police who were there sensibly to protect us, uh, uh, instead uh, formed a circle around uh, those supporters, myself included, who were not able to get into the courtroom. They did not let us leave uh, the courthouse. Instead, they kept us uh, compressed while a group of fascist agitators made their way amongst us going after certain targets. We saw that these riot police uh, kept the violence from getting out of hand. But uh, we saw heri- serious uh, humiliation uh, and intimidation. And there was another ugly brawl outside the courtroom. Uh, this has been the pattern for all of the h- high-profile trials that have happened since. There have been 80 trials to date, and there are 45 more uh, set to um, start between now and, uh, and Christmas. Sometimes the lawyers are allowed more scope than others. Not all judges are the same. But it's very, very clear that these people have the backing of some seriously powerful cliques inside the state. the The other important thing to know about this these choreographed uh, show trials is that these same lawyers go on television outside the courthouse uh, each time to declare the defendant and all their supporters to be traitors if they're Turkish, or uh, foreign meddlers and spies uh, if if. They're, um, if they're foreigners, and um, this campaign has, first of all, succeeded in convincing a lot of members of the public that there are many people with na- ultra-nationalist views in Turkey. In fact, they have no electoral support at all. But um, it's also um, convinced a lot of people that um, these defendants are, are, are not acting on, you know, um, for their own country. Um, you know, trying to work towards a social democracy, but actually working with sparring spies to humiliate their country um, domestically and uh, and uh, and abroad. Uh, of course, there are a lot of people who don't fall for this, but um, depending on which papers they they read, an awful lot of people uh, have no other information, and it is one of the significant factors in the dramatic uh, uh, change in uh... attitudes towards europe it was more than seventy percent uh... In, in favor of the EU a year and a half ago and now that's um, dipped below fifty percent and uh, it's said to go down even further so uh... it's been a very effective campaign um, th- what o- people often say here is that um, they can't understand why they are doing this why turkey is doing this don't they see they're shooting themselves in the in the foot don't they see they're not doing themselves any favors um, don't they see that nobody's going to let them into Europe if they carry on like this. Well, the important thing to remember is that the powerful cliques inside uh, the state, not the only cliques, uh, this is one of many um, powerful cliques, uh, this particularly, particularly powerful clique does not want uh, EU entry and is using these trials um, to um, uh, gain support uh, for um, staying separate and returning to the old authoritarian mode and, perhaps, looking east, by which I do not mean um, uh, an Islamic um, empire or union, because Turkey being a former empire is not very much liked by its former possessions in the Arab world. Um, The uh, lawyers we're talking about uh, tend to look towards Central Asia, um, where they see the, you know, the pure Turkic race. And uh, so there are very many... um, uh, Words that we thought had gone out with the Nazis, words that we um, uh, had uh, thought had ended with um, the um, Ottoman Empire, um, with the, you know the days of, 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 of the Armenian massacres, and they're coming back, and they're very frightening. And um, those of us who are on the other side um, can't tell people uh, what to think about Turkey, but our, our duty is to make sure that there's a proper democratic debate, proper well-informed democratic date, d- debate about Turkey, uh, both inside the country and in Europe.
0: How concerned are you for the future of Turkey in this stage?
1: Well, I think you know, Turkey is a volatile um, place. Uh, it uh, has seen um, many military coups over the past half century, uh, but it has seen... Uh, you know, extraordinary regeneration uh, and uh, growth as well. So it's always hard to predict what's going to happen in Turkey. And many times I've thought it was on the brink of disaster and, it, and, and it's managed to pull back. So uh, I'm hoping that this is the case again. I do, uh, I do fear some rolling back of the advances we've seen in the areas of social democracy and human rights. And I do fear for my friends who are writers and journalists and academics in Turkey.
0: What is the future for Orham at this point, do you think?
1: I'm glad to say that after a hate campaign that went on for the better part of two years, uh, people are um, sometimes reluctantly, but uh, slowly and surely, coming to realize that, that his books are good for Turkey, are good for Turkish uh, literature, um, uh, and are open a door uh, for Westerners to come into uh, Turkish culture, to understand its human stories, uh, its history, its dilemmas, and to learn from that experience. I think that um, I know that the, there is uh, vastly increased I know that there is vastly increased interest in Turkish. Uh, literature, Turkish fiction and poetry, uh, because of the interest that he's awakened, uh, many new novelists and pub- uh, many new novelists and poets are now being published uh, in English, and uh, I think that uh, that this will continue. So, uh, most people in Turkey now are very very proud that a Turk has won uh, the Nobel Prize, and. Uh, They're slowly forgiving him, and I think by the time he goes back to Turkey at the end of the year, he'll be greeted as a hero by all but the ultra-nationalists who, in their usual way, have claimed that the Nobel Prize was given to him as an insult to Turkey. I don't think as many people are going to fall for that anymore.
0: Well, freely, thank you very much.
1: Thank you.